Tony, thank you for spending this time with me today. Um, it's a pleasure. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time, ever since I started hearing about you. And I think that started with your fight nights. Mm -hmm. That's what I know the most of. Are you still doing that, by the way? Because of COVID, it's not um, happening That's at the right, moment. And, and everything I've been, uh, the fight night has always been a great event, especially with charity angle, but also with fitness. And it's, it's, it's just one of those events where it brought Tokyo together. But what made you, how'd you come up with the idea of doing fight night? Actually, it was, came up to me by, from a gentleman called Eddie Nixon. So Eddie, do you remember Eddie from Adidas? Eddie was a very, very big character. He was a member of the club and everything. Okay. Um, I do remember him. Yes, yes. bold gentleman. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but he wasn't a member very long, was he? He's not because he transferred to Korea. He Korea, went, right? So now wasn't Eddie married as well? Eddie was married to a, a British lady, and they had yes. three kids. Yes. And this, so I think I had his kids. So I think so. I did. And um, so Eddie came and said, "Okay, um, me, Nathan, and uh, Nathan from Club Three Sixty, and Dave Tom have this idea and stuff like that. W uh, would he be interested?" I said, "Okay, Fight Night. It was a very for me. It was just something very interesting. Love boxing. I go to boxing events. Before this event, I used to fly to Vegas and go to the events there and just watch the fights." It, mm -hmm. It's something I enjoy. I, right. Now, would you have the, okay? Now, how how was this set up? What was the premise so, so, of Fight Night? Fight Night was actually the fitness and charity. That was the whole thing that okay. came into it. Uh, fitness because twelve weeks of training and everything like that, you had to go through it uh, to be able to fight. So you had to go through twelve weeks of intensive training at the club three sixty, and then that has to you have to pass health test, and then you were allowed to fight on right. the night. Now, who were the fighters? Who who'd you pick? No, it was interesting. The fighters came um, to an event uh, one time and said, "Okay, like it was experts, it was it was Japanese, it was executives, it was a mixture of everybody, even housewives." But uh, you couldn't. But you couldn't be a professional boxer. No, no. Okay, because because some of you get really hurt. But the thing is, okay, it was always m matched between age and fitness and oh, everything. Oh, so you knew that. Oh, so after they did the twelve weeks yes. of training, you yes. assessed them. And then they get put. They get put in their categories, so you wouldn't mismatch people. That was done for the expert Nathan and all them. They, they those guys did all that stuff. Mm -hmm. the, you don't get involved in the health stuff because it was too crazy. But the doctors and everything like that made sure everybody's up to speed before doing it. And then it was the event, and that was interesting because the what kind of gear did they have to wear? They had to wear headgear. They had to wear the gloves, and they had to basically the. The the fights were shorter than usual, and there was all you couldn't go crazy. It was a exhibition fight. Uh, what I mean by that was it was not about hurting the other person. It was about having fun. And so there were no blows to the head. There was blows, but you had the protection gear. Um, it's one of those things where it's very easy to talk about it. Getting hit in the head is not the most pleasant. Even if you do have a helmet, it's. Well, if you've ever had a ca um, a bike crash, or anything like that, you know. So. So, what were some what were some of the more interesting times during these fights that you talk about that you really remember? Oh, well, one of the first thing was I trained with the teams, the red team and the blue team. So, um, because I was getting myself healthy at that time, and. I have this premise of you can't ask me to do something if you don't do it yourself. So I used to go and train and get into it. But the, the ones that was most interesting was the female fights. The female fights were quite something, I have to say. It's, uh, there was a, 
there was the women used to go crazy for it. So some friends, some they were just they just loved it. I don't know so what, what, it, what what was it about it that you saw that they were loving. I think it was just expressing themselves and also being seen as something a different perception in that environment. Everybody else is in tuxedo and gowns, and everybody and everybody that's fighting is in shorts and t-shirts, fighting in the middle of Tokyo, being broadcast live on webs and everything like that. And it had that atmosphere, and that was a nice thing. People, we are we are competitive by nature. Mm-hmm. Putting people on the spot and that kind of pressure, you see their character come through, and it's nice. How many people would you draw? Kind of it, was, it was always. Uh, about 400 plus at the time. Where did you hold these? Grand Heights. These Grand Heights, always? Yeah, it was always in the Grand on Heights. On the second floor? On the second yeah, floor of the ballroom? Yeah, it's the ballroom there. That was always the, the place that was always being done. It was, uh, it was always viewed as the, like the Las Vegas kind of theme. Right. There was always a, a reception beforehand before people went to the seats and having the dinner. Mm-hmm. But the emphasis was on the charity angle because all the money cre- uh, generated from this was always going back to a charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been three different charities. There was Refugees International, mm-hmm. there was Run for the Cure, and then it was Shine on Kids has been the, I can't remember now, uh, three, four, five, four to five times the beneficial owner of the money raised. So. Yes. So, so how long did that run? So I was I was invo- I was involved with that for a long. Wait, didn't you start in that? I, I worked with the um, Eddie and and with uh, Nathan and Dave and everything like that. But so it hadn't started before you came no, in. Had no, it? no. It so started with so, you. so we basically, I, they wanted a lead sponsor. They needed somebody to do it, and I said, okay, I love it. I'll sponsor it. I'll make sure that we can go through with it. There's also different ways I uh, got tickets, sales, and everything for them. So uh, that one, I'll let it go. But, but, how long, but how long did you do this? Four years. Four years? Yes, four okay. years. But also from my perspective, it's the, the competitive boxing and stuff like that. It's a, it's a wonderful, it's, it's something that brings out the competitiveness, but also it's always about the health. The, that's the main thing that was emphasized. You're getting healthy, you're doing good, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's especially living in Tokyo. You should, you know this, Lance. Uh, um, living in Tokyo, there's a lot of stress, and you need. Diff- Most people go into alcohol to stress or food and or into different things. But having a a stress relief like boxing and stuff like that, it it, it changes one, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a nice one. So, mm. so, so. this one of your passions. Tell me a little bit about your life growing up. Now, you you told me that you were born in Wales. Yes. And you grew up there till age what? Before you left. Nineteen, I left. Nineteen, you left. Yes. So you stayed there, and you told me you came from a small a, village. Did you said there are fewer people there than there are in the apartment building you live in right now? When I first moved to Tokyo, okay, right. there okay. was more people in that building than in the village I came in. So it's. And you and you're the only child in your family. Yes, only child. Mum and Dad have two siblings each. They have um, my cousins and everything like that. So I was the oldest of the family. I was the. Uh, it was it was just a it was a very interesting dynamic growing up because we were a very close family. So mm-hmm. my cousins and everything. My we had this amazing connection. So we used to spend all the time together, going back and forth. So. 
I didn't feel like I was an only child, if you know what right, I mean. Right, it's right. like, well, it how close is your next relative, your next cousin? How uh, many years difference? Was one month. month. One month. Exactly one month. Okay, but <laughs> is it? A, oh, you're the only boy too. Yeah. So it's a, so the, the, so basically the one month is to my uh, cousins uh, Sarah, and then the next one is Nia, which is, uh, and then Ellen, Grace, and yeah, the other side is. Yeah, a mixture as well. So Fraser's, yeah. So Stephanie's, so, yeah. It's a, it's crazy. Ellie, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, yeah. It's it's a mixture. It's a very it's a very. Mixture. Yes. And you're very close with all of them. Yes. Well, that's good. Yes. How after, before this COVID, before COVID came out, how long? Oh, you were just back there. Didn't you get stuck there? I. It's actually one year ago. Let me try and think. One year ago, first of March, I left last year. So that's mm -hmm. exactly one year ago. I went home. Um, and that was just during the starting of this COVID situation. Mm -hmm. And I think a week later or two weeks later, as I was just about to come back, lockdown. And you got lucky. It, it, was, it was an interesting situation, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. It's, uh, with work and everything like that, I've been traveling a lot for the last couple of years. Like I used to go every week or somewhere in the world. I used mm -hmm. to jump on a plane, so me and my business partner Kingsley, we used to go and travel the world for business uh, meetings, um, events, we used to speak a lot in different events. So being locked down in one location for a period of time, it was very, very weird. It's, uh, mm -hmm. I'm not complaining, I'll tell you that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also I was complaining because after a certain time you little get a bit... Um, yeah. Claustrophobic. <laughs> yes, let's say claustrophobic. That's a very nice yeah, word. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and as we're on camera, we, we better use the nice words. Yeah. <laughs> so, nice words. Oh, so, so, so you you left you left Wales at nineteen. Yes. And that took you where? So, firstly, um, Chester, and then to Tokyo. So, there's not. What did you do while you were in Chester? What did you do? Um, insurance. So, insurance. You finished college too. College, yes. Okay. So, I did college. So I was focusing on maths, business and law. So that was my speciality, but I got bored. For me, studying in books is very, very boring. I'd rather do practical. And I was very lucky to meet a mentor that taught me about insurance and about the finance industry. And he then, I was best friends with his son and he then taught me about the insurance, which I got really into and got fascinated and that's where he brought me to Japan um, and that's well the, well that's nearly 16 years ago now so, but what about the law part how did that come in so the law part was just part because you you have to know about the insurance laws of course laws. oh that's so you learned it during that time not in college I thought you said you learned no I learned it um, basically when I was in college I was also being mentoring being mentored by my friend's father about finance and about everything so okay. so it was all a all mixture the everything. so it was a mixture of everything mm -hmm. so so his son was in the same classes as myself in two of them and we started, he said, you have to meet my dad and everything like that, you'll get along. And we did. And he basically educated me about the finance industry from the insurance side of things. So, so when you left Chester, where'd you go from there? Tokyo. To Tokyo. And how old were you when that happened? 19. Wait, you went to Chester at 19? I thought you, you left, your, this happened within a year's period? Oh, so, you, <laughs> so you weren't going long. So you stayed in Chester for how long? A couple of months? 
and then from there you went straight to Tokyo. And you've been in Tokyo. You, you didn't live like in Wakayama or no, no, Gifu Tokyo. or something. You were in Tokyo. Actually, let's make it specific. I've lived in Minatoku. Whoa. There can't be more Tokyo than that almost. That's in the center. Because a lot of foreigners, as you know, a yes. lot of foreigners come here and they live in Gifu. Yes. Or they live way out in Hokkaido someplace. Yes. That's a different animal than Tokyo. It is. But when I came here for business, I didn't come here as to specifically to enjoy the the culture and have a job. I came here for work and then enjoy the culture afterwards. So it was like the reverse kind of mm -hmm. situation because people come here in the jet program, people come here on all this kind of uh, um, programs, but I came here for business and that was it. And so who did you work with when you came here? So I worked for a financial advisory company, mm -hmm. um, Devere, and I worked for them uh, with them until six years ago, mm -hmm. and then started my own company. I went Which from FGC Group. FGC Group. So FGC Group is a blockchain finance company, fintech company. So we've started this company when Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is the easiest way to express the business we're in. It was a a few hundred dollars, a hundred dollars when we started, then went to a few hundred dollars. But Japan became the leader in blockchain and fintech and it grew from there. So we grew the business to an international businesses. Uh, we were providing advice to investors, but also to, to businesses and how to structure and how to implement this into their day-to-day -day running. So mm -hmm. uh, now it's all taken off again now. So it's, a, it's, it's an industry where I'm glad to be part of, but also been part of it with my business partner since the mm -hmm. since the beginning. Since we've seen some very very interesting times. So how did you meet each other? How did you and Kingsley meet each other? Uh, that's an interesting. So I met him the first night I arrived in Tokyo, literally the first night. Literally we we met in a bar and had a drink. Literally the first night I arrived in Tokyo. And you don't believe in luck. Luck is a word people use for, as a um, to describe your life or s describe somebody else. Like, oh, you're lucky because you've done this. But it's all about hard work. With, what about this? I believe in destiny. I believe in certain things. Right. I, I believe energy attracts. I, I do believe that's the only thing that connects us all as human beings and objects and everything in the universe is energy. Mm -hmm. So I do believe energy attracts each other, it doesn't matter where or what. I think the way you'd say is, luck is something a lot of people use as a reason for not having what they want. Mm -hmm. It is. And it's they think that they use that as the main reason for not having what they really want to do. And also it's for us, for entrepreneurs, as yourself and my, uh, myself and my business partner, it's like, people always say you're very lucky. And I say, Beep. I'm not going to use the word, so I'm going to be nice. I'm going to say beep. I'm going to, I'm going to do myself. So, but the thing is, is like they don't see the 18-hour days you put in, the seven days a week, the the amount of hours, the amount of work. And but they always say you're lucky, and that's the part that irritates me about the word luck. It's mm -hmm. luck is never. Yeah. It doesn't give you any credit at all for what you've done, the time you put into it, yes. the planning you have, your goals, what you're looking at, the failures, the, the failures. failures. So that's the biggest. Thing. Yes. We learn yes. from those. It is. It's a, a failure is only a failure if you do it more than once. That's right. It's a lesson if you do it the first time. <laughs> but if you do it more than once, then it becomes... A failure, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a failure of doing yes, it the wrong way. Yes, of course. Yeah. 
Wow. So anyway, so you came here, you worked with a financial firm, you started FGC. Yes. Which stands for? FinTech Global Consultants. Where does it come from? FinTech Global Consultants. FinTech comes from where? FinTech is the um, the word that is described to the new finance, the new kind of um, industry, which is the blockchain industry. The uh, FinTech is used for the new like payments gateways. The, okay. the and I'll tell you why the the company is called FGC opposed to FinTech Global Consultants because having the word FinTech in the word in the company names in Japan. It's just a lot of headache, okay? Gotcha. But so it was always easier just to put it down to FGC, FGC and it made life easier. It's right. just like Japan has the legislation for fintech and blockchain, but the institutions haven't changed. So it's just they makes, yeah, it makes it there. harder and put it into katakana and all that. It was just mm -hmm. like, let's okay, keep it simple. Just, yeah. Yeah, so. just use the... Yes, yeah. of course. That's good. Mm. That's good. Okay, so where do you see your company going now? What is it involved? What is FGC involved in right now? What does it cover? So it's advice to to individuals that want to invest into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. That's one part of the business. The other part of the business is companies that want to actually build um, on the system. It's like the internet, but on a different level. Mm. So we've been working with mining and how to mine resources without leakages we've been using it for members um, clubs we've been using it for businesses that wants to do it also food production so people know where the food is grown to the table they can actually track it all the way back mm -hmm. also stops with fakes mm -hmm. um, there's also the other side of it of on how to integrate it with the old and the new so mm -hmm. there's a lot of different areas where we specialize in um, the finance side is the majority of what we do, but we do all the structuring side um, for businesses and for for companies, the entrepreneurs that want to grasp the new technology. Do you have a minimum amount that you work with if someone wanted to come and use your services? It's all about, it's, it depends on the individual, but it's, people always ask that question, it's always the short term okay is this person short term long term and the connections because people always look at it at the short term gain we always look at it and go okay this person is earning this amount they want to invest this amount but they're connected here they can do this they can do that it's all about on the merit of the person and what can because people always believe you need a huge amount of money to invest yes we do that but the other part of it is it's always based on the individual and what we can, it's basically a, a push and pull. It's always a relationship and how um, successful we can use each other's, and that's the part we focus on. Mm -hmm. How can we work together and how can we grow? So how do you use, how do you find, how do you set up a network like that? What do you do to try to join committees, belong to certain activities, how do you? Okay, so the thing is, it's one of these, Committees is one thing, we always network and people know. Um, internet is another. Um, we use uh, geotagging and advertising for people to come and talk. But we also have a network of individuals, a large network of individuals, mm -hmm. which they have their own groups and everything like that, mm -hmm. where they basically refer back to us as well. So we're a mixture of the old and the new together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now you told me the stuff that you want to do 
talking about the future. You said that giving is a big part of your life. Yes. It's Charity. really important to you. So your charitable work, what do you see for the future? That's the thing. Is it's this you individually or are you talking about FGC? It's both. It's the both. thing. It's, so it's just... It's, it's both. So the whole thing is it's... Uh, I personally believe in giving back to charity. It's the same thing as Kingsley. It's like we have this belief of giving back. That's one thing. Is it? It's one thing that we have in inside of us. It's about giving back. It's, it's so... It's very hard to describe into words. It's just that feeling. It's like giving back. It's so liberating because you actually give back and you help other people. It's a nice feeling. Also, it's energy. Uh, we believe in giving good energy and giving good resources because the world's all about that. Mm -hmm. So as a individuals, we both do it, but as a company, we do it as well. So we support different events. We support different areas. So we support from the EFN to run for the cure. For then we support local charities in Nigeria, um, in regards to giving resources and help when it's needed. Also here, uh, Shine on Kids. We help uh, Refugees International. There's a lot of different areas that we actually provide our mm -hmm. resources, also time, but also our connections if need be. If something needs to be done, we're more than happy to them together. Mm -hmm. So what kind of areas are you looking for in the future to get involved in? Do you have anything in particular that you, you've had your sights on that you thought, hey, I'd really like to do something in this area or outside of the club? Because we've talked about that. <laughs> are we talking about the charity or are we talking about business? Well, both. You can do whichever way you want to go. The thing is, the planning for stuff has always been, it's always creates a headache. Okay, create the planning too much far advance. I believe we miss the opportunities that's presented in front of us. So, charity, we do more, and as the business grows and we become more successful, we will keep on uh, contributing our time, our resources to different activities. Yes, there's the areas we want to help, there's areas we want to um, look at. But also, there's a different way of doing it. Is uh, that's one thing that we've been going back and forth: is how can we make it more efficient? Because charities always they always get all this money and they always spend it and they always want more. By creating a system where they can actually create their own ecosystem, it's something that could be much more efficient for a charity because of the way that it's structured. Um, and what I mean by that is. All this money comes in. They don't have to spend or, or or put that money to work into charity actions all at once. They could use that money to allocate into revenue generating ideas, and that's the path. But we look at it as like making it more self efficient, especially in this pandemic. It's one of these things where we've seen it's people complaining that okay, we don't get reason, we don't get. We don't get um, charity donations, we don't get this, we don't get that. It's like, yes, because you keep on focusing on the way you used to do it. You have to adapt to survive. And that's what charities, that's what businesses aren't doing these days. It's like, we're going into a, an area, into a world where technology has leapfrogged probably 10 years from the normal course. Mm -hmm. So, as you've seen, like everything's been done digitally, everything is being recorded and everything like that. But the way businesses work, this hasn't been adjusted, in mm -hmm. my opinion, mm -hmm. in our opinion. Mm -hmm. 
charities is the same. It's we have to look at the the new ways of getting it, like right. auctions or virtual events, different things. We have to focus on what we can do. Right. If you focus on the problem, that's all you'll see. It's always about focusing on the solution, mm -hmm. and I believe in energy because if you focus on one area, that's all you see. That's right. That's your manifest. Yeah. So we have to look at uh, solutions. That's true. So I was just thinking in the digital realm. Yes. Now that we've been through this pandemic and everyone's gotten a taste of it, regardless mm. if they wanted to or not. Yes. You see everyone going in that in a big way. Yes. There's no doubt about it because you even showed me the Queen of England. Yes. She's giving. Verbal. She's giving podcasts and doing different ways of communicating with the masses now. She did. She um, she did a uh, a broadcast yesterday, a Commonwealth broadcast. To uh, uh, she's the head of the Commonwealth. She broadcasted out about about the pandemic, about how mm -hmm. to do all the um, in regards to the jabs, in regards to this. And you look at it and you go, okay, this is a ninety-four year old woman that does this. But the thing is, okay, people say, oh, it's the Queen, other people are doing it, but yes, okay. But, but the thing is, you cannot make the Queen of England, or Queen, Queen of the United Kingdom and the head of the Commonwealth do anything. She, 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 she she's the Queen. That's right. But the thing is, um, that's the one thing is the monarchy has adapted with time, yeah. going from newspapers to radio to then to TV to then to internet, social media, and now... The, the 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 uh, the uh, live broadcast so it's all about ad adaptation and that's the part where i believe there's an opportunity as an entrepreneur for businesses as individuals it's, it's just like yourself you've seen the opportunity in regards to broadcasting and everything like that but other people might not see it but you've seen it and i agree this is a huge opportunity just mm -hmm. because of what's out there and what people can do. So uh, I take my hat off to you for that. It's the same with the future. There's so much opportunity here and people always focus on thinking, oh, the internet, it's already been done. It's like, if you knew how much shopping is done on the internet, it's around 15%, only 15%. So there's an opportunity there. So it's events, people complain they can't do events anymore. Like. Guys, the thing is, you're not thinking of it from a point of view. It's all about bringing the two together. Mm -hmm. You can do a physical event, but then you can also do a virtual event at the same time. And that's the exciting part, where you're only limited to 300 or uh, people before. Now you're down to, let's say, 50 and as many people as you can get online. That's right. But you're not limited to where you are in the world. In the world anymore. Right. It's global. And that's the part people don't understand and people don't grasp. It's like we have this mindset of what we've learned. It's like we can't see outside of it. Mm -hmm. That's what technology has given us now, liberated us from the shackles of locations right. and time. Everywhere now can be reached through technology. Well, the, the example you're giving too, that everything's become so accessible now. Mm -hmm. For example, to try to produce what I'm doing right now, Yes. Would have cost me thousands upon thousands of dollars yes. 20 years ago. Of course. And right now, <laughs> it costs nothing, basically. But, know, so but, but that's it. It's, it's like ridiculous. Everybody these days is like, I would call, uh, we call it a telephone, like a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. 
but the thing is the mobile phone is not for making calls anymore mobile phone is the if I remember correctly, I think that's the fifth thing people right, do on the they phone. Right, all the different, I saw, I saw an ad like that where they showed all these different gadgets, a recorder, yes. a video camera, they showed everything, you know, yes. measuring tape, they showed a lot of different things and they said, you don't need all of these if you have this and a few apps, you're done. Exactly, and <laughs> I think there was another one in which they put a desk, okay, right. and they and they basically everything all started the stuff to disappear. All, all the stuff we used to have, right? But the thing is, okay, that has given us the ability for everybody to be a camera person, mm -hmm. everybody to be a in a um, journalist, everybody to be a cook or whatever they want, everybody to access information as they want, mm -hmm. news, everything. But the thing is, when you have access to everything, you don't know what to do or what to if do you've with been it. Trained to, of course. Exactly. That takes me to one subject that oh. I saw. There was this woman that escaped from North Korea. Yes. And there's something that she said that was so profound. Mm -hmm. She said, in North Korea, mm -hmm. all the decisions were made for them. Mm -hmm. Everything. Yes. The way their hair was going to be cut, mm -hmm. the clothing they wore, the food they were going to eat, where they could go. All the, so they had nothing to do other than the farming work or whatever they were, their chores were. When she came to America, it was scary for her because all of a sudden she walks in the store and she didn't, couldn't pick one cereal. There's a vast amount of them and all of them mm -hmm. look so similar. She yeah. said, that was daunting. She said if she, they could guarantee her food in North Korea, mm -hmm. she'd be willing to go back. Mm -hmm. Because emotionally that's where the love she learned from there and everything. Of course. So she didn't care about the regime, and she said having too many choices can be worse than not having any. That was her feeling, and it was interesting. I had never looked at it from that viewpoint. I agree with you. It's the same thing as going to a restaurant with this with a size menu. If the menu's too big, you're like, hmm. <laughs> the thing is, even. In our culture, we both come from a very open culture. We come from a culture where you have choices, you're able to make choices. It's having that ability to understand you have to make choices is the main thing. I, I agree with you there. I used to live in China, so I know exactly this kind of communist feeling and the communist thought process. Mm -hmm. So just a slight bit, because I lived then, I saw how the they are programmed to go a certain way or do a certain thing. The internet gives us the ability to do whatever we want, but we also have to have the ability to go and search for it. And I think that's the path, that's the difference. We actually have to have the mindset to do, okay? Too many people expect things to come to them. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's the ability to go and search, to go and do, that's the difference. But I think the that happens, I think, with a lot of the societies, particularly Americans. I can only speak for mm. um, my experience. I can't speak for anyone mm. else's. I think that in school, the schooling system that we were set up, they didn't teach you to search. Mm. They didn't teach you how to search. They didn't teach you how to look for things, how to question. Mm. But I find, I found when I talk to more Europeans, mm. particularly in England, they think of their, them coming from a small island, but their world is the world. In the States, we think, at the time when I was growing up, if you lived in New York and you did business in California, you were international. Mm -hmm. That was international business to you. So I think teaching our children how to access this encyclopedia we have mm -hmm. 
in our palm of our hands where we grew up and you bought the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was outdated the day you got it. Yes. You had to wait every year to do it. So I think that's what has changed. They don't know how to use it. They don't come with a plethora of information or curiosities. Yes. And that's not excessive. But that's the difference. It's like we have all this information in our head because we had to have it because we just had to because the way we were brought up mm -hmm. we had to educate ourselves we had to learn all this information too many today is like oh i'll just go and search for it they don't actually remember it they they think that google have everything and as you said they don't question that that information there's too many especially during this pandemic it's shown too many of these fake news and too much information <laughs> And it goes back to the human psychology of the greed and fear. That's the, I have this psychology that humans, we do things for only two reasons, greed and fear, or the perception of greed and fear. Mm -hmm. Social media is great to, for fun, for pictures, and to share information, but it's also a very, very bad thing to, to make people fearful, even if it's not true. It's like I've seen pictures of of people sharing about Albert Einstein talking about the internet. But there's all kinds of stuff. We can go on and on with that. Of course. What people are putting in there. That's true. I think it's how it's perceived, but that's what it seems to be lacking with a lot of the people. They don't know how to gain these resources, how to get access to them. Mm. They don't know what questions to ask. Exactly. And it's so much just like you said, what they see on the internet, the tic-tac, mm. tic-tac, tic-tac, or whatever it is, and it's a few seconds, mm. and it's just visual candy, but there's nothing emotional happening, there's nothing mentally happening, it's just visual candy. I, exactly, you say candy, I say chewing gum. Okay. <laughs> the, the, reason being, the reason being is basically you put chewing gum, you get the taste, you spit it, and you get another one. It's the same okay, thing. Right, right. So it's the same, in my head, it's all this stuff about we have to question everything. That's the one thing is humanity has grown and come to where we are today because everything's been questioned and the boundaries have all been pushed. We've pushed ourselves, we pushed nature, we pushed everything to the limits and then we keep on advancing. That's the part where curiosity never killed us. Curiosity's made us more advanced and everything. So that's the exciting part. I think that's the part that has to we have to keep on encouraging the curiosity. Mm -hmm. Tony, on that, I'm going to let you go with this. Listen, that's <laughs> fantastic. Pleasure. Thank you for your time. You're Anything well. that you'd like to add? Anything you, that last bit was really good. Ah, it's, yeah. it's just one of these things where I think we could um, talk and talk, and um, maybe we do one next time, but with we a beer. To. With a beer. That sounds good. Alcohol. <laughs> the alcohol always tends to... Relax the mood? No, I agree. Um, relaxes the mood, but my chemistry teacher said, um, if you have a problem, have a drink. And, uh, and, he's, and he looked at me and smiled and said, why? He said, haven't you learned anything in my class? And he said, what do you mean, sir? He's like, uh, remember, alcohol is a solution in chemistry and in life. I went, yes! <laughs> oh, no, thank, thank you so much. Thank you very much. much. Thank you so Pleasure. much. All of you that have just watched this, I want to thank you for taking the time to watch this all the way through. And if you have any questions, make sure that you put them down in the comments section. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. If you haven't liked this, make sure you like it right now. And look forward to the next podcast.